0: Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. The great ones, they're different. They really are. Not better, just different. Sure, there's a physical power, a mental strength, a complex but resolute constitution too, There's a whole lot more than just the measurables. That's something else, that intangible. It separates us from them. Welcome to the Legends Series on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Six premierships, six of them, almost 300 games too. Talented, tough and the one I consider the most underrated in recent years. He's a larrikin, yet there's so many more layers to the person than just a laugh or bad joke. But who is Kevin Walters? Oh, That's an easy one for me, Andy. Uh, Very
1: much a a passionate family man. I've got five children. Um, I, I love my family more than anything else. I'm very loyal to my family. And the second thing is uh, the rugby league world. I'm very passionate about rugby league as well, and have been for quite some time. I was actually asked a question the other day about um, myself and my involvement in the game. I started playing when I was five, and I'm turning fifty three in a couple of months. So it's nearly—it's coming up to fifty years in the game, which I don't know where they've been, but there's been some some great times, you know, through that period. But also, my family's been a huge part of, uh, you know, playing up with me in the in the younger days my twin brother and all my other brothers, and then into some professional rugby league down at Canberra with my brother, so family mm. still involved, and then back here with another brother. Mum and Dad uh, were always on the scene for us. They were our best coaches, our best mentors. And, uh, you know, my father was a was a great man and my mother as well, a terrific uh, woman that held the family together. Um, not that we were ever apart, but it was just a, a great – upbringing for me about, you know, how much, how important family is and how important it is to, to love and respect your, your family members. And then, of course, the, the great sport of rugby league was introduced to our family as well and that's been a, a huge part of my life as well.
0: Is the Kevy Walters we see as a coach or a commentator different or much different away from the game?
1: No, not at all. Uh, that was one of the things I learned, Andy, early in my coaching career is, you know, just to be yourself. Uh, in the early days, I, I tried to be a lot like Wayne Bender because he was the guy that I sort of mostly um, through my playing career and then into coaching. But that sort of didn't work too well for me trying to be like wine, Um, you know. (laughs) So it didn't work so much. And then I found that uh, the best way for me to to get uh, uh, the players playing and myself as well was just to be me. And um, what you see all the time is me. There's no bullshit around who I am or Mm -hmm. what I do. I'm very honest. I'm very open. And also, you know, uh, I like to, you know, Always try and see the best in people or in situations and then work a way to get out of it from there.
0: You're serious when required. You're That's nat- right. Naturally, you're a pretty relaxed fella. Do you think we all as a whole treat the game too seriously at times at the expense of fun? Oh, certainly.
1: There, there is a there is a time to have fun in our yeah. game. Uh, and um, that was one of the things that I wanted to bring into my coaching as well. Uh, and people thought, oh, you know, you can't be – that sort of person and be a successful rugby league coach well I say bullshit to that Mm. because you know um, I know even like like Wayne Bennett Craig Bellamy they've both got really good you know personalities and characters and like to see the the fun side in things yep but at the right moment so and I see those two as two of the greatest coaches you know uh, through my era so you know you know I I think it's important to be yourself and if I see it as a real asset to be able to yeah. you know, that sort of personality to come into a team and into an environment where sometimes that you need to lighten the mood of players and particularly around state of origin, you know, on you know match day, uh, the players, it's a very nervous time for players and if you can break up that nervousness with a little bit of comedy or a little bit of character, I think it's all important.
0: Head coaching, it's a position with the potential to suck the life and character out of someone. I say it respectfully, but some coaches, in my opinion, have changed dramatically as men because of the pressures and the constant external focus. Is that something you've noticed and thought about? Well, I haven't noticed so much because, you know, my uh,
1: head coaching career has has been with State of Origin, so three games a year for the last um, four years, so... You know, I I don't want to change who I am or the person I am and I make sure that if if that is happening in some way, I've got some good people around me that pull me aside and say, listen, you're going a bit silly here or you're losing your marbles, yeah. that's not you, the person that you, you need to be or, or we need you to be. So as yet, no, but I'm sure, you know, in a 20-week in a 20 or 25, 6-week grind of the NRL, things may be a little bit different but… I wouldn't envisage that I would change all that much throughout that period.
0: I've told you face-to-face before. I've also told Laurie Daly, and it's just my opinion, I think you're too nice a guy to be a head coach. Have you been told that before because you you lack that bit of bastard in you? No, I've got bastard in me, Andy. Is you that right? You, you just haven't seen it, okay. mate. You just haven't seen it. I mean,
1: you know, um, you, you don't have the career that, that I had as a player without having that bastardness in yeah. you and that, that, that drive to be successful. Um, I'm, am I different to, to other people? Of course I am. But not everyone's the same. And, you know, I do have that inner drive, that drive to be successful. And I will do whatever it takes to make sure that yep. that happens. So, yeah, I'm calling you out on that one, Andy. That's
0: bullshit. Gordon Tallis said you're the most mentally strong and focused, not player, but person he knows. That's a huge rap coming from someone like Gordy. Is it a fair assessment?
1: Oh, he's yeah, very fair assessment.
0: Oh, I, some reason, I, I,
1: you know, I do have this mental capacity to absorb a lot of things, and I remember uh, way back in Canberra, it, this was my first year of uh, first grade, uh, and Kelvin Giles, the great Broncos trainer, yeah. former Olympic coach, and one of the best through that period, you know, in the world, uh, you know, of preparation of players and weights and training and I injured my ankle one, one time at training so I was out for a couple of weeks and he told me to come in and we'll do a little session on the bike mm. and you know on a stationary bike so he came in in those days I was semi-professional so you'd work through the day and then yep. you'd come and do your training of an evening so I came after work and I was pretty pretty buggered i got to say but we got on this bike and um, he said oh we got this to do and gee, it was the hardest session you know that i've that i've ever sort of done and yeah. i was throwing up on the bike and he he tried to break me you know he said that to me after the after the yeah. session not directly after about a week later he he said you are one of the mentally toughest blokes that i've ever seen he said i've put a lot of players on that program and they just get off the bike and they can't complete it can't yeah. finish it i said he said i tried to break you in every way that i could and i couldn't and from that moment forward i thought well no one's ever going to break me, and you know, we're,
0: and they won't. So it was a defining moment. It was a challenge set but a defining yeah, moment. Yeah, and it was just a,
1: a, a reminder to me of how strong you can be with, with the mind. Um, a lot of things happen in your life, whether it's, you know, your career or your family or yeah. different things. But as long as you're mentally strong and believe that you're going to get through it, um, you can. And is, that's, how I, that's how I see it.
0: Is that inherited genetically? A mental strength, or can you learn mental strength? I,
1: I think I've learned. I've I've learned it over the yeah. years, Andy. I, you know, I, I remember uh, training at school out for, for, at Ipswich Grammar School for for first fifteen rugby, and that was as hard as any training that we've ever done. I 16-, 17 year old. Carrots the same. Carrots mentally very strong as well. But uh, you know, so it's just something that you can train. I believe, and you have to be strong mentally um, because. Life can be shit sometimes. Yeah. Like, life can be ordinary. Yeah. You know, when we've all had our different periods in our life where we've been through so much um, horrible stuff, you know. But you've got to come out the other side, and it's all what what happens with the mind where, where I see it, you know.
0: Any elite athlete will tell you it takes more than just being physically fit to be at your best. And our friends at Galaxy Finance can have you at the top of your financial game. From home loans to investments and self-managed super funds, they provide complete solutions. Call Galaxy Finance on 1300 917740 and mention you heard it on Andy Raymond Unfiltered to get an obligation-free chat to see how Galaxy Finance can assist you. Is it mental strength or just an uncompromising stubbornness? (laughs) <laughs> probably a bit of, a bit of that as well
1: yeah. you know I think it's really important as well to have good people around you and know, I've been very fortunate I says with my upbringing with my uh, my mother and father and my brothers we you know very loving family always supportive you know of each other and that's continued now through through my own family I've got five uh, kids of myself yeah. of course my first wife uh, passed away with breast yeah. cancer uh, and now Narelle, we met. Ma- we married. Oh, we married since two thousand and twelve.
0: So I'm glad you got that date right.
1: Yeah, well, that's yeah. that's right. Very important. <laughs> and you know, she's been a beautiful woman yeah, in our absolutely. lives. And it's it was difficult for her. She's very um, strong as well because you know when you're blending um, marriages and families, yep. it, it's never easy. No. And you know, we've we've been together a long time now, and I, I see us, you know, into our well forever yeah. together. You know, and um, you know, she's very strong as well. We just Partnered up really nicely. Um, we've both got strengths and weaknesses, but we seem to work well together. And and again with that, with our kids that we have together, um, we want to make sure that they've you know they're being brought up in a similar way that we both were.
0: A super talented family, famously growing up in Ipswich. Obviously, your twin carried your brother Steve, and a big shout out to Andrew and Brett because everyone fucking forgets them, <laughs> poor buggers. I love them. Yeah. Um, the backyard would have been a reasonably Tough school, wouldn't it? And oh, it winner. was. Yeah, it was. it was.
1: It was great fun though, um, you know, picking because there was, uh, always had to be three on two so someone always, you know, had to be picked last and a lot of those times it was Stephen, you know. <laughs> you know, I'll have Andrew and then I'll have Brett, you know, but Stephen was always the last one picked in the backyard, Andy. Poor box. But he he made the team uh, the top 100 players yeah. of all time, you know. So, and Stephen tells a funny story of, you know, growing up in the backyard and, you know he was useless, honestly. Um, last one picked, and when you're selecting teams and the like, and you know he he made some rep teams as a kid, but only because dad was the, the team manager. And then he got to about 17 or 18 years of age and started to get some confidence about himself, and he just went from strength to strength, yeah. Steve, and really um, revolutionised the way that hookers played. Uh, and had a great went on to have a great career. If you would have seen him as a 14, 15, 16 year old you would have said, no way would that kid have ever just gone got on. got nothing. No, he had nothing. Um, so, you know, it's a good reminder to all kids out yeah. there that, you know, just because you're not making the rep teams and being the best player as a 13-, 14-, 15-year-old, if you stay at it and you have the dedication, anything can happen. Again, applying that mental aptitude that we spoke about and believing in yourself,
0: um, you can do anything. While you're giving it to Steve carrot also doesn't mind giving it to you, we have to delve into you being sent off as a kid for crying.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, that that was one of the I'm – I'm a bit of a sook. I've been known as a as a, as a bit of a crybaby, emotional person, you know, all my life. So pretty sure I was born crying, uh, most kids are, uh, and I haven't sort of stopped since. There was a joke in the family house often that, you know, even when we sit around and play board games and Monopoly and all that, if I couldn't throw a six, I'd start crying, you know, all this sort of stuff. But um, – yeah, that that particular—I think I'm not under eights or under nines—and um, I was crying on the field because we were losing. And the referee um, called Carrot out, who was the captain at the time, and <laughs> said, uh, "Listen here, Carrot, you've got to stop your brother from crying. He's annoying everyone. If he continues to cry again, we're going to have to send him off." So. <laughs> Kerrod came over to me and said, what's the referee going on about? And he said, oh, you're crying all the time. You've got to stop crying. Otherwise, he's going to send you off. So what did I do? I started crying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so he sent me off. <laughs> I'm off with tears and I thought,
1: oh, oh, geez, unbelievable. Anyway.
0: Were you playing against Alfie that day?
1: No, we weren't. No, no. Alfie was a year older than us growing up. But um, we did play against Alfie as, five, as five-year-olds. as five Alfie was six in the under sevens. And Kerrod and I played upper grade, and we were both on the wings that day, just filling in because the older brother's team was short. And I remember playing against Alfie, and he he just carved us right up as a little yeah. this little blonde kid. And Kerrod still says to this day that you know in the dressing rooms after the game, and he said one day that kid will play for Australia. That's what he thinks. He's I don't remember him saying it. He does tell, talk a lot of bullshit sometimes. That's That's so. a big statement a big for a seven year old. That was five. He was five, five year, year old. old yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Who thinks about that stuff. What, what do you care? What are yeah. your early memories of Alfie? Oh, d- just the whole
1: Langer family. Mm. Actually, they lived. Um, we lived on one side of town, and they lived on the other. Uh, brothers are all around the same age. Very competitive family. Um, Alf had a sister as well, Desley. So you know, we were a tight sort of family. We wouldn't see each other every weekend, but you know, in and around Ipswich with the football and the mm. cricket, there was a good you know mix and swap over of players and and our. Both of our dads are on a committee in Ipswich called the Parents and Old Boys who ran sort of the Ipswich Rugby League the schoolboy stuff and they were members of that for, for a long, long time. So we became quite friendly and, yeah, they're a great family, the Langers, and, and always have been, you know, very close uh, to our family.
0: I think in football circles you and Alfie sort of go hand in hand. What's the relationship like? Because it's a long-standing one, it's been a light-hearted one but a very uh – very fierce determination between the two of you to be the very best.
1: Yeah, it's been a great uh, relationship. Of course, he was firstly um, best friends with my other brother, Andrew, because they grew up together, you know, playing against each other and playing in rep teams. But then when uh, we got into the Broncos and all that sort of stuff, it was, you know, it was very exciting. Tom used to room with Alf, you know, every weekend for, for 10 years when we travelled with the Broncos. And never a dull moment oh, with yeah. Alfie. Uh, so, many, so many good memories. But... The thing I like most about Alfie is that, you know, he had a lot of fun and, you know, always enjoyable being around him. But what can't be underestimated is the competitiveness that that Alfie brings to a a team. So whether it was at training or in a game, he just wanted to to win and and knew how to win. And so many times he got us, you know, out of trouble at the Broncos with a play or a chip Mm. kick or a pass or a run. Uh, We end up calling him uh, the money man, the ATM, because whenever you went there you could always, you know, when you go to an ATM... You collect. At you collect. And yeah. Alfie was that, that type of player. So, yeah, he's a, he's a great leader and, and good person, good team man, kept everyone sort of involved in the team. And it was always team first with Alfie.
0: If you're enjoying Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the Legend series, we'd love for you to go to Apple, Spotify or wherever you're listening and subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating and review. Best Weekly Review wins an unfiltered trucker's hat.
1: Uh, I remember when the Super League war was on, uh, seven of us went out to the airport to meet with the AR. We'd, Broncos had gone with Super League, and yep. so seven of us uh, went out, myself, Lazo, Willie Kahn, um, Michael Hancock, Kerrard, um, a couple of others there as well, I'm just trying to think at the moment. and So we went out and met them, they offered us more money than what Super League was, mm-hmm. and we. Came back to training the next day, and our captain had put a shutout on all of us. He, we, he was instructed not to have any conversation with us. So we walked into training. You were the rebels. We were the rebels. Wow! And uh, and we thought, oh, what's, I said, "Hey, Alf, you know what's happening?" He just w- turned his back on me, walked away. <laughs> Same with everybody else. And in the end, we we stopped training. We said, well, "What's going on?" And he said, "You guys, you went out and met with the ARL guys. We're not happy about that. We, we committed to Super League. We're staying." Yeah, and eventually we all stayed. But, um, yeah, he was, was a very tough um, skipper as such. And people always see the fun side, Delphi, but he was quite serious a lot mm. of the time, particularly around rugby league and particularly his team because he saw it as his team and he didn't want it to be split in, in any way.
0: For the record, you're two inches taller, aren't you?
1: I am, yeah.
0: <laughs> Every inch counts. Every inch does yeah. count, Andy. Correct.
1: Yeah. yeah, but, uh, yeah, we, we've had a great association and actually Carroll was part of that sort of Ipswich connection um, through the 90s with the Broncos and Alf and Kerr were, were my main instigation from coming, my main motivator to coming back to the Broncos yep. from Canberra in, in the late 80s. Canberra was great for me but I just felt I belonged back back in Brisbane and I'd seen what those two had done, you know, both playing for Queensland and Australia and I thought, well, I want to be part of that. So, uh, yeah, that's the main reason why I came back.
0: You went down in 87 to, to Canberra playing alongside Stephen, your brother. It was a really important part of your evolution. Um, how did that opportunity arise?
1: Well, in those days, Andy, the, um, the Sydney clubs were only allowed three imports. So um, Canberra became sort of the hub of, for all Queenslanders, yeah. a lot like the Storm are now. So before I went down, there was Stephen, uh, Gary Belcher, Melman Inger of course, was their, was their head recruit in uh, 1986. He went down for the 1986 season. Um, Gary Coyne was there, Steve Jackson was there, and then in 87 – Myself and uh, Peter Jackson went down mm. as part of the recruitment, so it was a great opportunity for myself to, you know, to try my hand, you know, in the New South Wales Rugby League. And Canberra was a great city, not in the hub of Sydney. Uh, different, certainly, a lot quieter. Yeah, in Canberra, and also that Queensland flavour there. And of course, Wayne Bennett was the coach as well, along with Don Ferner. So they had the current Australian coach there, as well as. Um, Uh, Wayne Bennett. So I thought, you know, if I'm going to learn anywhere, I'm going to learn in Canberra amongst the greats. So, yeah, it was a terrific time.
0: You played the 87, then the 89 grand finals. You lost to Manly in 87, Mm. then one of the great grand finals in 1989. I mean, anyone over the age of 35, 40... Can remember every minute of that, yeah. e- even these days. Yeah, I can as well. It was, I wasn't even expected to be selected
1: in the in the seventeen or the nineteen, whatever it was. but magically, somehow, Tim Sheen's um, called me up and said, "Look, we need you to sit on the." I said, "Yeah, no problems." And um, I was just watching the game. It was a brilliant game, and then uh, I got on with about you know five ten minutes to go of normal play. Mm and then uh the game went into extra time and oh it was just brilliant being out. it's just I've watched it so many times over and it, it's just like yesterday with some of the moments in that game mm. that you think well they were they were big moments not only in that game but also in rugby league history you know yeah. the the Mal Meninga ankle tap on on Mick Neal, Benny Elias poor old Benny hitting the <laughs> hitting the crossbar you know uh, and that Steve Jackson try the John Ferguson try the yep. celebrations um, the Chris O'Sullivan field goal, all these memories come flooding back, and it's like it's like yesterday, but what is it now? That's 30-odd years ago. Yeah. What mm. a
0: footy side it was developing into. I mean, in today's terms, uh, way over the salary cap.
1: Yeah. Um, well, possibly, because a lot of those guys, I mean, it was a young side as well. Yeah. Was, you know, Laurie Daly coming, he was only 21 or 22. Bradley Clyde, another one. Ricky Stewart and, and myself are the same age. We would have been 24, 25, so... You know, um, not even that old, really. I was born in. Geez, my maths aren't that. Yeah, great. your maths it's, is going. Maths well, are all over the place. Yeah. But yeah, it was a young side, yeah. uh, mixed in with you know with Mal and uh, Gary Coin, you know Dean Lance, Gary Belcher, all these uh, great, great players. So yeah, perfect, uh, perfect time. we we're, were a team coming together, and it was one of the great teams that, that I certainly was involved in.
0: After the GF, you left for Brisbane. A, a huge move for a young fella in a successful side. What was it about moving to Brisbane that enticed you? Well, it was a couple of
1: things. Um, Certainly at the Raiders, I'd been in and out of the first grade. side. Ricky Stewart and Laurie Daly were the the two halves. So they were always – and they were about my age. So it was not like one of them – Chris O'Sullivan was the other guy. It wasn't like one of them are going to retire soon. Hmm. So I thought, oh, well, I'll head north. I'll go back home. Um, I took sort of less money to go back to Brisbane at the time. Um, But I thought I'd go back – with my family uh, and Kerrod and Alf were, were highlighting uh, at the Broncos at the time and I thought well I'm as good a chance as anyone to, to get a game with those and if I can do that you know things will be, be moving nicely. Wally Lewis was of course a, at Brisbane so mm. I didn't expect to, to get an early sort of look at things. I was happy just to, to sit in behind Wally and just wait for my opportunity yeah. to come uh, whenever that was going to be and fortunately enough um, that was early on in the piece. Wally's didn't start the year, he had a hamstring injury so he couldn't start the first few rounds and then um, w- when he was available back for selection he actually went to... Lock didn't he? he? He went to lock, he went to Wayne Bennett and said look we can't move Kevy. he's going great there, why don't you put me at lock just for the next couple of weeks and we'll see how that works out. So that was a huge boost for me, a huge shot in the arm from not only from Wayne Bennett but also uh, Wally Lewis to say that. So
0: A huge boost but how much pressure are you on? You're wearing the Broncos number six, and you're actually doing it with the King's blessing. Yeah,
1: well, it was great. Um, I mean, you know, Wally was a was a super player and a super leader, and all those things. Uh, without Wally Lewis, Gene Miles, Greg Darling, there would be no Brisbane Broncos, and yep. um, you know they were they were the Kings, and Wally certainly um, was had a huge say in, in the Broncos and them being formed. So. Yeah, I just took my opportunity when I could, and Wally was in and out of the first grade side with injuries all that year. So he had a bit of a troublesome one. Whilst I sort of settled really nicely and had a great season with Alf and and Kerrod, certainly teaming up with those guys, uh, and Chris Johns was another one that was you know really strong for me. So yeah, it was good. It's good times.
0: In episode two of the Kevin Walters story, we talk professional triumph and personal tragedy. An amazing insight into an amazing bloke. Come back soon, legends.